Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Luke, and I apologize. I've been terrible lately for <laughs> uh, doing um, a podcast. I'm sorry. Uh, life is not getting in the way, but I'm trying to get a modest amount of sleep and uh last few weeks have been very busy so yeah so we're gonna do three old-timey ufo sightings huge ufo in ohio 1858 the reported sighting of an immense aerial vessel over the town of jay ohio in the year 1858 continues to be a major puzzle to UFO researchers of today. The will to believe is strong on this one, and yet its authenticity has never been firmly established. The incident has been closely studied by many highly acclaimed researchers. Um, Although the origin of the tale is somewhat sketchy, the story just doesn't seem to want to go away. Um... Although it has not been proven, neither have skeptics been able to discredit it. The story goes that sometime around 1858, in a small Ohio town that no longer exists called Jay, several witnesses, including Mr. Henry Wallace, were startled by a large shadow and looked up to see an amazing sight. Above them was a large and curiously constructed vessel, not over 100 yards from the earth. The principal eyewitness, Wallace, later stated that he believed the vessel to be from Venus, Mercury, or the planet Mars. He described it as, The vessel was evidently worked by wheels and other mechanical appendages, all of which worked with a precision and a degree of beauty never yet attained by any mechanical skill upon this planet. This was no phantom that disappeared in a twinkling, but this aerial ship was guided, propelled, and steered through the atmosphere with the most scientific system and regularity. About six miles an hour, though, doubtless from the appearance of her machinery, she was capable of going thousands of miles an hour. As the strange aerial vessel passed above their heads, the witnesses noticed several tall people that were aboard the ship, and he said that these strange individuals were possibly on a visit of pleasure or exploration or some other cause. The story's level of detail and seeming authenticity has had large appeal for ufologists over the years. However, its source remains to this day highly suspect. It was first published in 1858 in a book, containing medical advice that fell more in the area of the occult than on the scientific. The book was called The Illustrated Silent Friend, embracing subjects never before scientifically discussed. Uh, A... uh, On the website rents.com in 1999, author Jesse Glass Jr. published a detailed account of this sighting in his article, quote, A UFO Visits Ohio in 1858. In it, he describes the book by Dr. William Earle, in which he says, 
Dr. Earl delivers a breathtaking range of quaint and curious lore, sandwiched in between advertisements for male safes. Wait, why did I just read that? Um, And herbal cures for, uh, yeah, were recipes for making wood more durable than iron and practical advice for would-be part-time mesmerists. Um, among all these snake oil claptrap contained in this entertaining bit of Americana is one entry that in its strangeness and the use of specific names and places stands out from the rest. Uh, on pages 253 to 256, we find this entry. Do the inhabitants of other planets ever visit this earth? I propose in this connection to make a few remarks on the following. Mr. Henry Wallace and other persons of J. Ohio have recently detailed to me the annexed. There are thousands of such cases on record. These gentlemen state that sometime, since on a clear and bright day, a shadow was thrown over the place where they were. This necessarily attracted their attention to the heavens, where they one and all beheld a large and curiously constructed vessel not over 100 yards from the earth. They could plainly discern a large number of people on board of her, whose average height appeared to be about 12 feet tall. The vessel was evidently worked by wheels and other mechanical appendages, all of which worked with a precision and a degree of beauty never yet attained by any mechanical skill upon this planet. Now, I know that thousands will at this recital cry humbug, nonsense, lunacy, etc., but I know that there are other thousands who will read and reflect. It is for these latter thousands that I write. Once upon a time, there appeared a celebrated reformer who arose among the people and taught a new doctrine that from its reasonableness and simplicity electrified the hearts of the thinking people. But the party who didn't think and who hated reason, and new ideas cried out away with him to the crucifixion. And they did crucify his body. God, why are we bring? God. Everything ties back to religion if it's before, like, the 1980s, 1990s. But they have not yet succeeded in crucifying the reason and new facts and ideas that he taught. In view, then, of the above, I venture to advance the following remarks. I believe that the time will come when all the inhabitants of all worlds or planets in the solar system will regularly visit each other when in the fullness or fruition of things an interchange of ideas and commodities, visiting and God, greetings between the respective inhabitants of all worlds or planets will be common and universal. I believe that the grand aspirations of an advanced humanity on this earth is not without a good cause and a good reason. I believe that when the respective atmospheres seen surrounding the different planets in the solar system of every part of the universe shall uh, have passed into the highest condition um, of excellence, blah, 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 blah. And that the ship which Mr. Wallace and others saw was a vessel from Venus, Mercury, or the planet Mars on a pl- visit of pleasure or exploration or some other cause. 
I myself, with the evidence at hand that I can bring to bear on it, have no more doubt of than I have of the fact of my own existence. What? The, the serial ship was guided, propelled, and steered through the atmosphere with the most scientific system and regularity at about six miles an hour from the appearance of her machinery, she was capable of going thousands of miles an hour. And who knows but 10,000 miles an hour. Okay. Uh, what can be more wonderful as an illustration the than the electric telegraph to connect the old world with the new? Besides this, if I had room, I could draw an argument from the electrical condition of the media existing between the planets to show that a body once in motion at a given distance from a planetary body in space will move with nearly the speed of electricity till it meets again the resisting media or atmosphere of another planet or body in space. That all of this knowledge and a million times more may be known to some of the exalted beings of other planets in space, I have no doubt. But as I was saying, this aerial ship moved directly off from the Earth and remained in sight till by distance she was lost to the view. Uh, over the years since he wrote this article, attempts to verify the validity of this information contained in this account have met with uh, mixed success. Historical records have proven that a post office existed in the town of Jay, Ohio from 1839 to 1842, and the town status in 1858 is less certain. Also, census records show a number of individuals named Henry Wallace did live in the area at the time, although none of the persons seemed to exactly match the eyewitness of this sighting. Um, so, yeah. So next we go to Night of the UFOs, July 20th, 1860. This sounds like a movie my dad would watch we really like watching those 18 or 1850 1950 sci-fi movies blah 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 in the early to middle 1800s there were only four possible explanations for illuminated objects moving across the night sky comets untethered hot air balloons carrying very bright lanterns brightly lit birds or something unexplained and possibly extraterrestrial um, so with this in mind, we focus on a fascinating case that some people refer to as a meteor event, but which others are not sure about. On the night of July 20th, 1860, in the northeastern United States, a swarm of luminous orbs moved across the sky slowly, west to east, and across hundreds of miles, um, from northern Michigan to Long Island, New York, and then on to the Atlantic Ocean. They were seen and marveled at by thousands of people. The two main orbs were described as nearly the size and brightness of the moon, and many observers saw numerous smaller orbs, and the swarm illuminated cities and towns in an eerie, bluish light and terrified spectators who feared doomsday had arrived. The awe-inspiring display made national headlines for weeks and is believed to ins inspire the Walt Whitman poem, Year of the Meteors, 
It is even memorialized in a painting by American landscape painter Frederick Church. And since no object stuck, struck the ground and no fragments were ever recovered, the event was considered an unexplained atmospheric phenomenon for 150 years until in the year 2010, scientists guessed that the event was probably an extremely rare, quote, earth-grazing meteor procession. So on July 21st, 1860, the day after the phenomenon, articles about it appeared in almost every newspaper in the northeastern U.S. with many eyewitness accounts. The stories of amazed people who witnessed the spectacle continued for weeks. In the Brooklyn Daily Eagle, eyewitness Thomas Prosser of Long Island wrote, quote, It came from the northwest when it appeared like two immense rockets accompanied by a few brilliant, brilliant scintillations. It disappeared in the north- southeast. Another witness said two balls of fire arose in the west moving slowly southeast when seemingly over the East River, the balls exploded and shot with lightning speed across the heavens. The sight was a grand one. Two large meteors flew through the air, lighting up the city as if each had been a moon with 50 little red-faced meteors chasing after the greater splendor. In Pennsylvania, an eyewitness wrote that the phenomenon emitted, quote, as much light as full as a full moon. The witness also noted a sonic boom, saying some minutes after it disappeared, a sound resembling thunder was distinctly heard. A witness in Maryland commented that the object was, quote, moving with a motion entirely different from any meteor I have ever seen mentioned anywhere. His description was, its first appearance was in the shape of a ball of greenish light, half the diameter of the moon, around which was a large halo at the distance of a mile or a mile and a half from the city. It looked like a long, ragged tongue of bluish flame, sailing slowly and majestically along. An observer in Newark said, It appeared composed of two distinct bodies of equal size and surmounted by a very brilliant blue and yellow light. It might have been mistaken for an immense rocket, both from its appearance and remarkable light. I'm wondering how they knew what a rocket was in 1860. The meteor appeared so altogether different from all meteors noticed before that we are at a loss as to what to say about it. In another article uh, from July 21st, a reporter's quote is saying that the swarm, quote, contained two or three balls of beautiful bluish light. And then another witness said, when first seen, it displayed a tail that appeared to the naked eye to be 50 or 60 feet in length. And in its course, the tail decreased, leaving sparks and streaks of fire in its rear like a rocket, to describe what they saw. It appeared to be three-quarters of a mile high and at first had the appearance of a large fish. So 
So on August 2nd, in a letter to the New York Tribune, renowned Harvard astronomer George Phillips Bond, who in 1850 had taken the first photo ever of a star, summarized the path of the 1860 anomaly. The swarm of objects was first spotted in the vicinity of the Great Lakes near North Michigan and progressed to the east-southeast. Traveling in a straight line, it passed over Lake Huron, southwestern Ontario, Lake Erie, southwestern New York State, the southeastern part of Pennsylvania, New York, Connecticut, Long Island Sound, and Long Island, continuing to the Atlantic Ocean, lasting three to 400 miles out to sea. Interestingly, a number of similar meteor sightings were made on August 2nd, 1860. In 1964, a UFO researcher uh, classified the August 2nd sighting in Norfolk, Virginia as possibly being multiple UFOs. It said, the meteor, or rather meteors, for like that which was seen a few nights previously, was represented as a duplicate appearance, where each object was about the size of a butter keg, and not unlike that... (laughs) object in form, though it slightly rounded at the end. Starting starting into view at a point about WNW and taking a northerly direction, they sped rapidly with an undulating motion, rising and subsiding twice so as to describe in their course a double arc of easy and graceful cure, preserving their brilliance to the end, and finally disappearing at several degrees above the horizon. One of the lights was of a clear red, and the other was a greenish complexion. And both, as they coursed along, emitted resplendent flashes of the same beautiful hues, while their track was marked by a sparkling train of light similar to that left by a large and brilliant rocket. Um... So, in conclusion, this event was clearly either an extremely rare, once-in-a-millennium, earth-grazing meteoric procession, or it was something totally unexplained. And then, uh, we go to a short one, because I'm tired. Spaceships over the Old South, November 10th, 1860. Another sighting of multiple UFOs occurred in Wilmington, North Carolina, On Saturday, November 10th, 1860. The location of this event is sometimes given as D.C. or Washington, North Carolina, but it actually happened in Wilmington. Um, This UFO sign was reported in the Wilmington Herald, the Times-Picayune, the New Bern Weekly Progress, and the Brooklyn Daily Eagle. The original report states that a group of witnesses, including the reporter, uh, noticed a peculiar object in the sky at about sunset. From the ground, it looked either like a balloon or a piece of chalk. The shape of the object probably changed slightly as it moved and adjusted its angle, going from orb to elongated orb or cigar shape. The UFO was extremely bright and highly visible in the daytime sky. Notwithstanding that the light of day was still strong and clear, 
The illumination on the object was brilliant and distinct. The object's shininess and high visibility suggest that its hole may have had a shiny metalli metallic finish. At first, the strange object was observed moving very rapidly to the southwest. Its path was roughly east to west. But suddenly, during the observation on the object, the newspaper reporter noticed that the object changed its course from southwest to due west. This change of direction would favor the theory that it was under intelligent control. Some of the observers stated to the reporter that two more objects had already passed by overhead before the reporter arrived. So a total of three objects were seen flying together from east to west in a sighting that has similarities to what was seen by gardener Joel Draper just two months earlier in Nebraska City. Um... This is another sign that is significant because it is unlike most of the other North American sightings of the 19th century because the object is not described as being an airship, comet, fireball, or meteor. It is distinctly an orb or elongated orb, like a cigar-shaped UFO, because of its brightness, probably had a shiny metal exterior. Um... And it's also significant because three objects were seen at the same time by multiple witnesses. In the article, it was also, it was in all probability a parhalion or mock sun, which is the original and highest species of the genus Toady, in as much as it only follows in the wake of and tries to look and act like the god of the day. A sun dog or mock sun formerly called a parhalion in meteorology, is an atmospheric optical phenomenon that consists of a bright spot to one or both sides of the sun. Two sun dogs often flank the sun within a 22-degree halo, and it is a member of the family of halos caused by the refraction of sunlight by ice crystals in the atmosphere. The reporter's comment about a toady indicates that he understood the object he saw was not typical of sun dogs, as this object was uh, not stationary at one side or the other of the sun. The object he saw was moving independently of the sun, although appearing to fall in its wake. Thus, he describes it as being a toady of the sun. The story received widespread attention from the media. Um, it also appeared in several other newspapers um so yeah kind of cool i don't know thanks for listening guys uh i'll do a couple more of these uh hope you have a good weekend and a good friday blah 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 thanks for listening bye